Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast where casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. As we reach the conclusion of our Road to Genesis miniseries, we're evaluating the mostly disliked fourth installment, Terminator Salvation. In this episode, you're getting major spoilers for all Terminator films, as well as minor or abstract spoilers for World War Z, Lonesome Dove, Back to the Future, Star Wars Episode Four, The Shawshank Redemption, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Mars Attacks. It's weird watching them all in a row like this. I've never. Yeah, yeah it gives a completely different perspective of it. I remember when I saw it in the theater, I think I had my, uh, what did we say last time, the Arnold tinted glasses? Yeah, rose-colored yeah. Arnold glasses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I came out, I was over. But he wasn't in it. I was no, over in the T3, moon. In T3. With, uh, He's yeah, T3, I saw right? T3. Oh. But I was loved Salvation right when I first saw it. I thought it was just yeah. so, so great. I hadn't seen Salvation since theaters either until last night. So it's been a long time. Right. So it's been so long that I forgot the majority of it. Sure. Um, but it's the least Terminator of the Terminators. Yes. It I really enjoyed is. it. I thought it was great. I think it's the action sequences are really entertaining and really yeah. well made. But it is not very Terminator. It's not. It lacks the whole humanity versus machine, really. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's the. That is the movie. <laughs> no, no, no. That it's, could be the tagline for the entire movie. It, it could be, but it's not because all the the characters they're not. There's not like a. They're all so cold and intense. It's like just moving forward. You don't feel like they're really people. Because you don't have like <laughs> one dude running from. Yeah, I, I, it's too cold, man. It's too cold. Being too, the least no Terminator of the Terminators, I still thought it was a well-made movie, and I enjoyed it. I think it's definitely better than T three. Oh well, good yeah. lord, yes. <laughs> because this one's it's it's a entertaining movie. How about that cast? Am I right? It's the a, guy from Avatar. It's a quality the girl, cast. The girl from Fight Club. That mm-hmm. dude from Star Trek. That guy from Batman. <laughs> Batman's in it. Common. <laughs> Man, you know what Common's on your cast. I I made a note of that. That chick from the village is pregnant. Common's... I can't can't figure out... He's great at standing beside the main character and being angry. He's like the supportive... Common has the single worst line and worst delivery in the entire movie. Which one's that? When they they first tried the signal, this alleged signal that, that drops dead Skynet robots. Oh, yeah. And they go out to test it in the field, and that hunter killer comes by. It's an HK. They test the signal. The thing falls down. It dies. And Common goes, it works. It's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) His his emotions were getting the best of him for a second. That's such a weird line. I I was like, why would they have him say that? It's not even his fault, I don't think, unless he he ad-libbed it. That's just Common, man. He's, He's a loose cannon. You can't control him. And what's he even talking about? Because they can't hear it. It's not like it makes a sound. It was pretty beautiful, man. How was it beautiful? It fell it's, down. It's, it's a harsh world they're living <laughs> in, man. <laughs> they any, take any little thing they can get is beauty great. wherever they can find it. But hey, Jessica Chastain was in it, right? <laughs> no, actually, yeah. that was that's a common mistake people make. <laughs> this was pregnant Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, pregnant Bryce Dallas. And Bryce Dallas Howard hadn't done movies in a while because she was, um, you know, procreating. She kept having children. So she was actually pregnant. That's my assumption. She looked like she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. She, in the best way. She was yeah. glowing. Yeah, glowing. She was. Gl- I really like her. I didn't notice that she was pregnant until near the end of the movie. Well, th- I almost didn't notice she was in the movie because 
<laughs> she says two things, yeah. and she serves little to no purpose other than a carryover from T3, which is interesting to me. Right. From Claire Danes. Character. Yeah, it's yeah. not like they needed to. I think maybe it was still close enough feeling when they were writing and making this movie that they thought like, it's before studios went absolutely ape nuts with retconning and ignoring and rebooting. Right. That <laughs> they were just like, well, we have to acknowledge stuff that happened in T3, at least a little bit. So this character, they said right. she's a key movement in the resistance, so we have to put her in there. Has there been a single character that has carried over, a single actor that has carried over and played the same character other than Schwarzenegger? Everybody else has been different the whole time. We've had what four Other John than Connors now. Sarah Connor was three John Connors. Kyle, oh yeah, Sarah Kyle Connor. had a deleted scene in T two, <laughs> and then the uh, the Universal Studios ride for Terminator two has Edward Furlong as John Connor. The the Doctor was the same in one, two, and three. Yeah, the psychologist from the Psych Ward. Oh yeah, you're right. He does mm-hmm. make it into three, and that was a funny scene. That was that was good. He just starts great. running. Yeah. Did you guys see Dead Terry Crews? <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Th- I want to talk about that because when it showed him, I thought to myself, "Oh, what?" And then I <laughs> he was just he was just dead. <laughs> <laughs> just laying. There. I just wonder if he signed How did on he get thinking. That role? <laughs> <laughs> it has to be that they deleted a scene that actually has him speaking and then dying. So you think right? that he was like. A Matthew Fox from World War Z. In World War Z, Matthew Fox shows up mysteriously. He's just running around in the background. You're thinking, how did he get cast in this? You don't even see his face half the time. And then when you do realize it's Matthew Fox, you're thinking, what? why is he this, this <laughs> non-essential character? But then you find out later his whole role got cut out. Right. Yeah. So you think Terry Crews got Matthew Fox? Or Matthew Fox got Terry Crews? I watched the director's cut. Did you guys watch that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was two minutes longer than oh. the theatrical cut. So maybe there's more. You're just saying if they cut it up that much already. That was just a concession to fans of the franchise that were so confused when this this is also the first PG thirteen Terminator movie. So when that came out, everyone's like, How in the world is right. there gonna be a PG thirteen Terminator movie? So the director's cut was like, don't worry, we swear we'll give you an R-rated version, even though it was two minutes different. Uh, I, I don't was, even... I don't it was even just a, it had more the girl blood. was naked for a oh, second. Oh, yeah. And there was a brief, a scene of brief nudity. <laughs> I think that was the only difference. Naked. Yeah, it didn't make that any... No so more, there was no more profanity and or anything like that to would push it over the R rating. I was stance. looking at the IMDb IMDb page and you know what that actress's name is? The the, the girl that Moon <laughs> Moon Moon uh Bloodgood. Moon Bloodgood. God bless That's her. a great stage name. Do you think that's her real name? I yeah. hope so. God, I hope so. Moon Bloodgood. If it's either way it's going to be my next kid. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that that n- naked scene was so bizarre. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Where she took her top off for whatever reason, out in the open, and then turned around and yeah, looked, she turns to face and just make him eye and contact make eye contact second. from yeah. afar. It's like, are they trying to establish romantic or sexual tension? Yeah. Because either way, this isn't real. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even in a movie about killer robots, I'm thinking this ain't real. So strange. But y'all, did y'all notice that we got the opening 
credits. Oh, yeah. The long opening credits. Yeah. yeah. For 2009, it seemed out of place. I thought of Tyler. He said it helped him get it. Did that help you get your mind right? Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I started playing it, and I said, okay, okay, let me settle into my seat. <laughs> this is going to be great. Let With, me enjoy this music from The Simpsons. <laughs> I know, the Danny Elfman's weird take on the Terminator score. That did not sound like a Danny Elfman soundtrack at all. It didn't. Yeah. yeah. Now let me. Uh, now, okay. Well, then let's get into the nitpicking, if okay. if we may. The I felt like the text catch up or the text recap that happens was incredibly lazy, because you get the uh, the scene where Sam Worthington's character is on death row or something, and I'm thinking, okay, this is interesting, and I'm kind of three. Yeah, I see Which where is- this might be going. Maybe not. Helena bought Marlo from Fight Clubs in there. What what year was it at the end of T3 when the nuclear war began? I don't know. Oh, yeah, you're trying to find out where. What? he When he was on death row in conjunction to Skynet. Right. Actually. I thought that it happened before 2003. Well, we can assume that this is happening at some point, and it's just going into the research that will just be continued on mm-hmm. into it. It could have happened before T3. And it wouldn't really mess with the story. Okay. Either there way. are other bigger timeline All right, problems right, okay. than that. <laughs> the, the opening scene's kind of cool. And he's, you know, then he's like getting the lethal injection and all that. I was thinking, all right, all right, all right. Then all of a sudden it goes to black and a computer text tells you essentially that the Terminator plot device has taken place. Yeah. And then right. you're catapulted into the future. I just felt like... When did they decide to do that? Was that like something that they were haggling about? Like the studio was saying, well, you got to assume some people haven't seen Terminator or, or something. Couldn't they have explained that with some other exposition throughout the movie? Do we have to like, all right, now sit down. Uh, okay, so if you haven't seen this, here's exactly what... It just felt so lazy. So that, But then after that lazy text scene, you start to think, oh, this is pretty cool. That action sequence in the beginning where they're just yeah, really dropping cool. you in the middle yeah, of like where, a skirmish. Where Batman runs and just jumps into that hole. That was great. That was great. But then right after he jumps in that hole, you think, well, that's a green screen and that looks bad. He's <laughs> <laughs> sitting there a different world really quick. You can see the line yeah. around him. So already you're thinking, well, we've made some advances in CG, but not that many. Yeah. I thought the opening scene made an impression on me in two ways. One, it was awesome. I thought that the cinematography and the continuous shots of the helicopter crashing and the explosion stuff were really, that was really cool. cool. Yeah. Really cool. When he gets in the helicopter, he's like, he, he runs past Dead Terry Crews, gets <laughs> in a helicopter, and the, it doesn't cut away for a long time. And I thought, how in the world did they do this? And then finally, when the helicopter crashes upside down, the camera f- turns right side up with um, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he... Let's yeah. probably start using John that was, Connor. That was cool. And uh, and I'm thinking to myself, how did the cameraman manage to do that? Because he was in there with him. He was just suspended upside down somehow, and then he got whatever. I wasn't on was set. Great. I wasn't on set. Yeah, I wasn't there either. That's why it was good though. Very good. Uh, but there was also some flaws in the opening scene that I thought were so bizarre. Because once they finally get down into that hole, they start wading through some water trying to look for this robot. And I'm thinking to myself, if these robots are so intelligent, why aren't they just putting electricity in this water and killing all of them. I mean, even <laughs> they can't even, send a current. These robots can't send an electrical current. They might and have shocked themselves. The thing is that 
this robot pops up out of the water and then they start shooting at the robot. You can't even have a toaster or an iron or a hairdryer near the bath. Like, if they're just shooting this robot. <laughs> Wait. How does the shooting have to do with it? Because if they're shooting this robot and the robot's falling back into the water, shouldn't it be releasing oh, right. electricity into the water? Yeah, what are these things powered on? Yeah, it's waterproof, man. But the Terminators have <laughs> nuclear power cells. You know? Okay. Uh, but, but they also have eyes that like I don't know, man. That that robot that pops up out of the water was like the primitive Terminator from the end of T three when the machines yeah. rise when yeah, they yeah. get all turned on. Yeah. yeah, you see them a few times in the movie. Yeah, they all get turned on and rise. <laughs> they well, rise. It was just like whack a mole, man. That thing popped out there. It didn't even like give them a. Yeah. Any trouble what at was all. it doing before they got there? Yeah. What in the world was that just robot hiding down in the water? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make any uh, sense. And, yeah. But it but came, didn't it come up from behind them? So yeah, they passed so they had over to go it. Over it somehow. Yeah. So the T1000. I don't. It should have electrocuted them. But then when they finally get into like the control center of whatever that bunker was, there's a keyboard out and like computer screens. <laughs> <laughs> Why are the robots creating computers with screens and keyboards? Can't they just interface with the computers directly? Aren't aren't they computers? <laughs> they themselves are computers. Shouldn't they just have a USB port and they can connect? <laughs> Why are their keyboards out and accessible to humans? Maybe they just thought it was a little too unfair. The, the war. Yeah, so they put some little things. You know what would have really helped the the machines fight this war? Not creating keyboards <laughs> you know it's nature versus nurture because that's the product of the world they were brought up in they always had humans around <laughs> using computers and they felt like they had to make computers for the human. perhaps it was a old bunker that was used by people that is still there maybe the machines perhaps. didn't create all this and then put keyboards down but then why in the final scene with sam uh not sam elliott that's the cowboy sam <laughs> sam, sam Witherington. Yeah. uh He's in that final scene talking to the girl from Fight Club. Yeah. And she's on a, a screen with like controls all around. It's a room designed for a human to control. Why yeah. did they? He was the well, they were, that was where they, that was one of the Skynet headquarters and they were making T-800s, which are humanoid. Maybe it was for them. Uh, right. right. <laughs> one of the, uh, you have a good point where he pulled the little eyeball out of the motorcycle and uh -huh. used it to get in. Why wouldn't the machine be like, how's the motorcycle trying to get in? <laughs> this makes no sense. <laughs> Why do they need retinal scans at all? Can't the computer just acknowledge another computer and let it <laughs> yeah. in? Or else be like, well, that's not yeah. a computer. There was a lot of weird issues with the technology for the machines, like those flying hovercraft plane things, yeah. the hunters. Why did they have spotlights when we knew that the machines don't need They don't lights? need lights, yeah. They, they even, even acknowledge in the movie that they hunt by yeah. infrared. <laughs> yeah, they hunt by infrared at night, but yet they've got their spotlights on. Scary. scary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's caught. Scary. I'm caught. <laughs> and then, you know those giant, like almost Terminator-style robots that show up twice? He's oh, the fighting, big guys that are picking guy. them up? Yeah, he's fighting it outside the gas station and then yeah. another one later. The first time that Sam Witherington fights one, he's a half-robot the whole time but this machine continues to fight him. But then when he shows up at headquarters and then that second giant machine yeah. sees him, it reads him as a robot and then just lets him in. Maybe, here's my theory. It's because in that first uh, conflict they have, he's surrounded by humans and is hostile toward the robot. He jumps uh -huh. on it with an axe. 
Maybe it's just reacting to... Maybe. Yeah, but how did that big thing sneak up on him? <laughs> I really don't know. Well, There's had, nothing. It came, it came out of uh, the plane. There was a plane with him, too. How did the plane sneak up on him? They were just sitting around well, in a big open space talking, and then all of a sudden... Flames shoot out everywhere. And it sneaks there. up. Once it gets close, though, that little girl hears it and starts acting scared. Yeah. <laughs> She's got... Star. That sense for it. Um, Why did they throw Star in? She's just a token kid. She wasn't that bad. She was kind of like Newt in Aliens. Is Which it, is great. Yeah, and did, was made it a little made, more tense because there's a kid. Well, involved. yeah, you're, yeah, you're always more tense when there's a kid. She involved. was cute. I didn't Do you mind think her. she was meant just to be motivation for Sam Weatherington to care? Maybe I don't know. She just so Kyle Reese isn't sitting up there alone. Yeah, but you don't have somebody to deal with somebody else's lines. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in a character that can't talk. Yeah, that makes, it, that makes it easy to write dialogue. But you know, it was great. Um, the to go back to that original scene for a second, that first big reveal of John Connor getting off the thing and shooting the Terminator in the yeah, head. Was really that was good. a great shot. Yeah. And then the climax of that when he has the world's worst helicopter ride. <laughs> it's like he goes, pushes a corpse out of a helicopter, rides it straight up in the air only to flip it over and crash <laughs> it. And then he gets out and there's that really cool scene where he's struggling with this torso left over of, a, yeah. of the Terminator that he thought he had shot. Um, which was, you know, it felt like a throwback to that, uh, the climax of the original movie where the yeah. torso is all that's left. Yeah. They did that a lot in this movie. That was cool. I appreciated that. I also thought that it was neat the way that they took John Connor and give you, in the beginning of the movie, a sense that, like the first shots of him, the big hero reveal, you're like, oh my gosh, we're getting John Connor, leader of men. But then you almost immediately find out that he's not the leader he's like the people's leader yeah but he's not in control of the the resistance or the military uh which is kind of neat because in genre movies especially in like science fiction fantasy and stuff like that the idea is whether it's like a luke skywalker or a marty mcfly the hero in the beginning has to be kind of down on his luck or under the circumstances so that you can root for him to overcome his odds Mm -hmm. it's like the classic thing so they took john connor like well if he's already you know, like the dude that's got everything going for him, everyone's already following him and he's leading the victorious battle against the machines. There's not a lot of tension you can draw on other than just him and the machines. But if you can pit him against the other military leaders and he has motivations different than the human characters around him, it was a smart idea, even though it didn't really work that great. (laughs) (laughs) I like like where they were going. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? I thought in the beginning, oh, that's cool. He's like, he's not who we want him to be yet because the audience wants him to become the John Connor we've been promised throughout all the movies. The other big problem, I don't want to say problem or thing that I was like, what? about John Connor. Why in the world was Batman playing him so intense? That had to be one of the most intense depictions of a character I've ever seen ever. It's like (laughs) John Connor. I understand he's not going to be the same kid. He was in T2 or anything like that per se. And even when they flash forward, to him, yeah, he's all battle hardened and he looks different in all the Terminator movies. But there's nothing left of that kind of like impish and sarcastic. Nothing like. Well, you see nothing. it a little bit when he's going back to the the tapes that his mom recorded for him. What when he's just sitting there scowling at a tape player? Well, yeah, and then he he expresses that he feels lost or he had, he doesn't know his enemy anymore when he's talking with Jessica Chastain. Yeah, he's surprised <laughs> Dallas Howard. Yeah, sorry, that's a mistake people make all the time. Is, well, yeah, I, I see him. I saw him be like em, emotional, but I never saw like anything other than the emotions of anger 
Yeah. And rage and grief turned up to 11. Right. That's why I was saying it feels like there was a lack of humanity in the movie because he was like moving the story forward and he had no emotion besides just fierce anger the whole time. He yelled in ways that weren't even necessary. You know that scene where the, uh, what was, what was Sam's guy's name? Marcus. Marcus, right. Marcus Marcus is like going back into the moat after he escaped. Who are you? The headquarters. He's like, what are you? After they had this normal conversation, contact me on this if you let me in. And yeah. he starts walking away. And he just has to, the script must have just said, what are you? He delivers it like, yes. ah, what are you? <laughs> right after they got done fighting those electric eels. Yeah. yeah. That's another question. Again, what are they doing when people aren't there? Those things just swim around in water. Who put them there? Why would Skynet need to put eel robots in the water? Even though I liked them, I thought yeah. they were cool and scary. They yeah. made a tense second helicopter crash scene. Made yeah, tense. Yeah, those helicopters—they're not doing good in this movie. So, but presumably. Months could go by where those hydrobots are just like da 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 da, yeah, and they're swimming around. They're in that yeah. river right next to the resistance base. Yeah, so they're in a, they're in a good spot, I guess, if they're looking for people. All right, it just seems a bit short-sighted on Skynet's part. I mean, they make robots made out of liquid metal, but they're like, here's an eel, <laughs> just kind of swims in water. <laughs> yeah, but they don't but, have the liquid metal yet. They're they're getting better as they go. That's true. Just kind of turns into that horrifying scene from Lonesome Dove. electric water Um, moccasins that's great you know they had to do that skull stomping again when they get to la and that t600 or whatever it is comes out it's like boom it was like a tiny weird skull yeah i thought that was interesting uh, that's what i was thinking the whole film is where are they what happened to that desolate like landscape covered in human skulls have they not gotten there yet it must have been when yeah no we got there i thought that the insinuation was always that that was like after the bombs right after the bombs drop nah because which we see the t-800s marching across the field and in this movie we see them first being produced so in this world the t-800s don't exist yet this is the first time that's right this timeline is so screwed up (laughs) hold on then go back i'm kind of confused about the t-800 because when they, that first scene where Skynet has conveniently left open their master plans on a computer with a keyboard for the humans to use. Right. They're looking at this, the shot of like a T-800 on the screen. Yeah. And they're going, oh my gosh, it's, it's like nothing we've ever seen before. And then at the end of the movie, you know, you finally get to see that they do an awesome fight with the T-800. But then... No, never mind. I just answered my own question. John Connor seemed to be like, this is a fuel cell for the T-800. It's because he's, he's grown up with there. T-800s. So here's the problem with the sense. timeline is when Marla's talking to Avatar about That scene everything. is so awful at the end. <laughs> Marla and Can I Avatar. just, I was going to save that, but that scene yeah. blows. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's That's weird. how I felt while it was happening. I thought, this is just too little too late. You're trying to throw an exposition now. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing? We don't care about you yeah, anymore, this, Marla. This is not that kind of movie. Just blow it up. <laughs> And Mar and Marla, the only reason she's in there again is obviously because at this point they've paid Helena Bonham Carter to be in the movie and written her a scene. And they try to explain it in the movie by saying like, "This face was chosen for you because it would be easiest. We can choose another if you like," which happens all the time in these types of movies. Yeah. And it, Why it, would that be the easiest face for him to process? It makes no sense whatsoever. Choose his brother or his friend or someone we don't know. They're robots, man. They don't know this stuff. <laughs> Apparently right. not. And it was so weird. They didn't. 
they didn't really explain it, but he what he had just stepped out of that reconstruction chamber, yeah, where his his head was kind of half destroyed, but then they put it back together. Yeah, yeah that well, that was sure convenient. Just so just weird. <laughs> I need one of those. That's great. And can we just say that his CG attempt at like half blown up face looks so bad? Yeah, it looked bad. You can't win them all. Here's the why don't they just the... do the makeup? They know that makeup works and that it <laughs> and it is really there and looks you gotta good. Gotta push the envelope, man. Why? <laughs> but here's what I want to know. Tell me this: When Marlo was telling him, "Oh, you've done something we've been trying to do for years: kill John Connor." Why at that point would Skynet be trying to kill John Connor? Because you're saying that they shouldn't really know who John Connor is. They, they haven't yet sent someone back in time. Right, that hasn't happened yet. And when they, the first one happens is when at the end of the war, and they're like, oh, this guy did everything. We need a last-ditch ever. They wouldn't know who John but Connor that's is. that's so confusing. Shouldn't, but John Connor has the memory of the Terminators coming back. Right, because so it happened. Skynet? Skynet has that memory, so too. Should, How would Skynet have that memory? As soon as they go into the past, then that has always been in the past. Yeah, then it's going to alter the future. Yeah, but how would Skynet know? <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't wouldn't this make Be, the news with, like, because Skynet this had, robot <laughs> terrorizing town? Right? They're, they're, they're going to have... They're going to have news reports about Schwarzenegger just destroying things over and over. Yeah, but no, they because the get... only people advocating for it are some lone nut that got locked up in a psych ward and then a kid who went off but the grid. But shouldn't John Connor be making the news with these things too? Like, oh, John Connor is... He yeah, did. How Remember in T3? Another... They, know, they, knew, they know they need to kill Kyle Reese and John Connor for the reason yeah. that Kyle Reese is Kyle going to father him. How one. would they know that? Yeah, because that's list. in the past. That's always been a part of Cyberdyne at this point's intelligence that... In the same way, the only reason that the Terminators exist in the first place is because in the past, a guy named Miles Dyson found an arm and a microchip and developed it. Yeah, but there was no information on that microchip. So all they know is that I know, but I'm saying like, but then when John Connor interacts with the T-800 in the past and it's because of all this stuff that they know in the future, then that's in the past for Skynet to know in the future. Yeah, but just because something happened in the past doesn't mean <laughs> Give everybody me a knows it. <laughs> Give me a napkin this and I'll write this It would be like, oh, he came back. All of a sudden, we all know everything that happened because they came no, back. No, I'm <laughs> that makes no sense. It's not that everyone knows everything that happened. Well, a Terminator went back in time. We've solved everything. Tell Stephen Hawking <laughs> we got it worked out, the theory of uh, everything. Stephen Hawking, I like to base all my knowledge of the time space continuum on the chalkboard drawings that Doc Emmett Brown drew. Okay, oh, that's fair. The, I like where this is going. Yeah, so you know, when Hell Valley was created and Marty McFly creates an alternate universe, that's is that what's happening here? That we've got as it's, the C eight hundred comes back into the past, it kind of changes the future, and now we have his technologies where it's like it, we're almost aware, like he's a catalyst to the machines taking over by simply coming to the past. Yes. Sure, but how would they know that? How would they... They can't just download this information because it happened. They don't have to download it. They like... You mean to tell me that... So in the past, like a T1... At this point, a T1000, two T800s, and a Terminatrix have all gone into the past and interacted with John Connor based on all this intelligence that they had. Right. So in the future... Skynet has zero access to any of that information that's been around for decades. Yeah, because in the first Terminator, no. all, all that was left was the little microchip that they <clears> threw <throat> in the lava. And then both of the Terminators burned up in the lava, which doesn't affect the Terminator and Salvation for some reason. And then in Terminator <laughs> 3, they get blown up by nuclear bombs. And this is all before Skynet is aware. There was no way they would have access to that information. 
No, no, no. You're saying they covered their tracks so well. Yeah. They're, how would they have it? Nah, something it. slipped through. I mean, something obviously, but they need to tell us that because it makes no sense. Something survived. <laughs> They're probably, well, they assume most people go home and don't, don't do what we're doing right, right. <laughs> So you're saying that the only knowledge of all of this happening is in John Connor's mind? Yes. Which kind of makes, at least an element of that makes sense in this movie because it seems like he hasn't earned people's trust and he almost has like a Sarah Connor dynamic going for himself within the resistance that he needs them to understand that Kyle Reese is important and he already knows yeah, about the 800 and I everyone's that was like, cool. you don't know. It yeah. just doesn't make sense why they're hunting him and it concerns me for Genesis, which we know little to nothing about, but at this yeah. point, like what what are they going to just going to like shoehorn more stuff in there and just convolute it even more so or just ignore all this other stuff and we'll have to see. I don't know, man. We haven't seen it. That's the Maybe, thing. Yeah. No fate. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Did you guys like the way that they actually mentioned Griffith's observatory yeah. in the Yeah, movie? there's a lot of stuff where they were trying to throw back to the first view. Even though this was the least terminator like terminator. terminator. It, it terminator. was the most self-referential yeah. terminator movie. They were almost ever. like yeah. easter eggs. To, to imply that, oh, this is a Terminator movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just because you're used to seeing uh, Arnold, don't let that fool you. We've got a giant 60-foot robot <laughs> that goes... <laughs> throwing a little Transformers. You remember that awesome boombox he had in part two? It's back. <laughs> yeah. This, I like about that is apparently... Is that a coincidence <laughs> or does John Connor still, not only does he still love Guns N' Roses, he still just likes that Guns N' Roses single. <laughs> He's like, oh, I got a tape copy of You Will Be Mine and I'm going to play it on the street to lure out. Yeah. That's all right. I appreciate it. development, man. That's just where he's at in right the, now. In the theater, I was like, yeah. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, why? <laughs> that Doka loves GNR. <laughs> Patrick, do you still have an issue with how John Connor could exist in the first place? If yes. Kyle Reeves... The whole understanding of this whole timeline makes no sense at all, and it can't work on itself. You how know, could so John we, Connor have ever It's a been loop, born? don't you understand? It's a loop paradox. So as soon as they he goes back in time... but. Like, let's say that in, in your head, right, where everything's wrong. Yep. <laughs> it's beautiful here. Time, time moves forward with, you know, uh, Sarah Connor. She's got no kid, no Kyle Reese in the past. And then somehow Cyberdyne happens and all this stuff happens. It just... Right. So if, if you're saying that there's a loop thing, like... like as a soon lot as of they go into do, the past once, it's always been That's in the how past. it's always been. That's how it was with a lot of these sci-fi movies. But... Mm-hmm. That only makes sense if time is a linear line of time. If the possibility to change the future is there, then the whole thing breaks down. Well, then just imagine it like split timelines. So there was some world where Skynet happened somehow and there's a resistance or something. And then in that world, somebody goes back in time because of John Connor. And then that creates a different timeline where always in the past there was... Right, so then the, there is a timeline somewhere where... Give me a daggum napkin. All right, here's the thing. Split timelines suck, and this is why. I don't want to know that there's another version going on out there. I want this to be the only one. It is the only one for all intents and purposes while you're watching it. Yeah, but then there's somebody else that's like, they're having a bad day. So there was, <laughs> at some point, some original hero who sent Kyle Reeves back in time. There would never be a reason to send Kyle Reeves back in time. But what are you talking about? There's always been a reason because John Connor's always been there because in the past he's always been conceived. That is only if the future is set from beginning to end and there's no way to change that. But the whole premise of the movie is that you can change the future. 
if you can change the future, then they're, they're the loop. Did y'all notice that? <laughs> did y'all notice that? What's his name again? Marcus. Marcus's Marcus uh, Kiwi accent keeps coming out. Man, yeah. was this his first American movie? Because it was he was struggling with that one. I think so. He did all right for the nature of his character. Yeah, I mean, I I like him as an actor, and I enjoyed the way he played this character and everything. But his accent, in particular. The scene where he's like magnetized to that crucifix and suspended over the thing. Yeah. It's just like he stopped doing an American accent at all. <laughs> yeah. so, I'm on a robot. I don't know what happened to me. When he was talking to John Connor and hanging over yeah. the pit. Oh, you think you're human? He well, was I am a human. strapped up to a wheel axle. <laughs> that was Trust silly me. too. They suspended him over his exit. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Moon Bloodgood turned on them and let the... And let him escape. She just cut him down and then showed him here. Well, they had to God, blow it open. This Maybe it's also like the trash chute. It's like uh, on the Death Star, they have that trash chute. So they were going to kill him. So they said they were going to kill it and yeah. then just dump it, just flush it down the toilet. Why did John Connor look at that T-800 on the screen and say, uh, we've never seen anything like this? Was he looking at something that like Marcus Wright's thing? Because it said T-800. Marcus Wright was in the room at, in that... Um, Right, he was on a table or yeah, something. Yeah, he was on a table, so maybe he was seeing the, what they were doing with the human experiment. Yeah, it just looked like he was looking at the map for the T-800 they were developing. Maybe he, he of all people, would know exactly what to expect. Yeah, maybe yeah. he was trying to figure out how it went from this to Marcus. My theory was that <laughs> it's just like the T-800 has gotten an OS, an OS x update or something because his vision clearly has improved if you remember from the other <laughs> movies his, whenever we see the terminator vision it looks like virtual boy yeah with the horrible text yeah. and everything and now he's got something way more sophisticated <laughs> going on like what when did that happen you got to be consistent with yeah. that crap at this point even though it looks antiquated to us you have to be consistent yeah yeah well maybe the idea was that he had his real eyes he had his real eyes. Because he had his real Are heart. you trying to say something deep? <laughs> <laughs> Why did they write in Marcus Wright, this half-human, half-robot? You think that they're just trying to create like an advancement of robots, like something we hadn't seen before just for the sake of the movie? Or was, was this, this like, a, yeah. a, like... Or was this like the how they got to the skin on the exoskeleton for the endoskeleton yeah, for the first time? they're putting robot parts into humans i guess which is funny because didn't mike bring that up in the t2 episode he's like we have organs that help the the flesh on the outside heal itself yeah so how are they doing it they needed a real heart to start with and then the technology i'm not sure i understood why they need why was all that necessary for his assassination mission couldn't they just make a t-800 that didn't know he was a t-800 and i think that maybe the, they were, what they were trying to accomplish with Marcus Wright was that struggle between human and robot, but they did it in like literally inside a character. <laughs> they, they, it's not too but subtle. But then they also needed they needed John Connor to work alongside a robot because that's what he's done in all the rest of the films, where he's partnering with a robot who's been either reprogrammed or rebelled against the machines. So maybe that's what they were trying to do. I just didn't really understand why he, why that was necessary. Why couldn't we have the all the elaborate measures that they made to make Marcus Wright part of Cyberdyne, that he was this death row patient, that he was all disgruntled, but with a heart of gold, a strong heart, said yeah, Moonblood. Yeah, strong Blood heart, good. not his heart. 
why was all that it never really became necessary other than it got him into Skynet but they could have written something different for that what? so what what was the point I don't know so when they found him in the pit I guess they didn't even acknowledge him they just right walked past him. so the idea was Skynet was hoping they that would he find Shawshanked him out of the pit and that he would be saved with all the, the uh, yeah he other... did Shawshank out of that <laughs> Is that really a spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In Shawshank, somebody Shawshanks out of the, <laughs> the sewer it's system. It's Shawshank, man. <laughs> okay. That's fair. But he wasn't covered in sewage. Yeah, mud. Mud. So it looked the same. How did you guys feel about seeing Arnold or something like CG, Arnold? CG Schwarzenegger? Yeah. I thought it looked pretty good. I did too. I was yeah. still impressed with it last night. Yeah. There's obviously something tad like weird about it that you're yeah. in your brain you know it's not really but it wasn't like uncanny valley or anything no, like it looked it, good it looked he, really convincing i feel like they exaggerated schwarzenegger they made him slightly larger than he oh is. this is fun there's a bodybuilder that, an austrian bodybuilder yeah he did the exact measurements of the original terminator of arnold's body he was the stand-in and they put the face on him yeah. okay and this Austrian bodybuilder, who uh, whose name I can't recall, plays young Arnold in a biopic yeah. of Arnold's political career, which is kind of interesting. He does a, <laughs> a fantastic impression of him. He really does. So I, in theaters, I remember seeing that and feeling so, as a, like a Terminator fan, like this is the coolest thing. Even yeah, because we didn't know who was going to be in it. Yeah, first. you only get a couple of shots. Yeah, was that a, a surprise? Yeah, there, I had no idea. Yeah. And it was uh, great having him, having him be part of that final fight scene. Yeah, and the, they're they know what they're doing. They're harping on your your fanboyness when he comes out and it's like doing <laughs> the dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, uh, but you know the shadows were more consistent this time than they were in the original Terminator. Yeah, we didn't get the no no <laughs> glimmers of light came in this time. <laughs> no. Uh, no, no CG manhood. And then obviously they didn't want to have to keep making a fake Arnold face, so he gets burned up pretty fast. Yeah. But then that fight with the T eight hundred, the naked T eight hundred endoskeleton, that was really cool. I that was really cool. Yeah, but it seemed cool. like this T eight hundred was way tougher than the original T eight hundred. This thing had molten steel poured <laughs> on it, and then it just stood up and kept walking. Because and, it, and in the past, it kills them. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. I didn't understand that at all. Well, I don't know. Maybe he had to be submerged. <laughs> Maybe yeah, he wasn't in it long enough. Yeah, and then. He froze that him like they did to the T-1000. And he was still coming still, back after that. Yeah. But then uh, that scar he got on his eye, is that a reference to the John Connor from 3? Where we see him standing on In the In all the flash forwards of John Connor, he's got a scarred up yeah. face. Yeah, so this was them trying to write that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice that cool part where the T-800 is fighting Avatar and he's like slamming him in the wall like the T-1000 yeah. did? Yeah, that was a In throwback. T-2. That was cool. Yeah, but why was he letting him do that? <laughs> it's like stop. Because when he finally, when he finally resurrected, he just stood up and ripped the T eight hundred's head off. Why didn't he just start with that? Why did he let the T eight hundred? Why don't you just kill him, him in the first place instead of like let him do all this damage? <laughs> and man, yeah, John Connor. He had a moment of clarity. You think so? No, John Connor, man, he's freaking resilient. He just got pierced through the chest with a piece of metal, and no nah, big deal. We'll get him up and walk him out of here. I would like to have, I don't know how they would have done this, but I, I think it would have been neat to have some kind of dealing with John Connor's emotions to having seen Arnold come out of that thing yeah. after all those years. That must have done something to yeah. him. 
there should have been. He just reacted to it like it was any Terminator. Right. It would have right. been cool to the, if he tried to reason with him, even though it was impossible, or something, you know, just to like, you know, anything. Yeah, that, yeah. that ending fight scene was very similar to all the, well, at least the first two ending fight scenes. Yeah. You had those robot footsteps on the stairs. Yeah. Remember that? Yep. Like, well, that's yep. just the They same. looked a lot better than just somebody yeah. with a <laughs> plump, plump, plump. Moving around with their hands. Yeah. You had Connor limping around the machine shop. Yeah. Factory yeah, setting. You can't have a final scene without a Connor limping around. Oh, yeah. Or even, a factory of some kind. Even in T3, when they're in that bunker, he's limping around. Yeah. It's like, these guys are getting messed up. <laughs> Battle damage. <laughs> but then there's also the the um, iconic sparks raining down mysteriously everywhere. Mm-hmm. And steam coming out of every pipe. It's like, where, what are these machine shops that are constantly finding? <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like, like the, man, we they need some ventilation in there. We got to stop meeting like this. <laughs> you know, the uh, I thought a couple of things about that fight scene that it was cool to see a CG T-800 that looked convincing because yeah. it looked good. And yeah. it was also cool that you could see practical stuff in there as well. So that they still have that torso puppet that they move around. That they uh, Some guy's just on the ground carrying it. But I, something occurred to me about the in sequence that I kept thinking they didn't think this through the, the fictional characters in the movie. Why is Catherine Brewster going into a war zone when she's like eight months pregnant or something like that? That, that didn't seem too practical to me. She, she shows up on like the helicopter running out with everybody. Oh, right. Yeah. And then At the extraction point. Yeah. Even beyond that. So John Connor says that, the power cell for the T-800 is nuclear. Yeah. And it's enough to level the whole place. So he wires up this whole thing and then rigs it to blow, pulls the trigger when they're in the helicopter. And then when the camera pans out to a wide shot, they're still very much over the center yeah. of the thing. Why not you, wait a little bit? <laughs> you don't want to maybe <laughs> put a little distance between you and the site of the nuclear I explosion. I thought the same thing while that was taking place. But it, didn't look, it wouldn't have looked as cool, you know? It took I a lot guess. of risks. He was very brave when he jumped out of the helicopter into the water. Yeah. He's like, catch me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, he's yeah. Captain America. Yeah. And then the, their recklessness was uh, throughout the movie, you know, that scene where the Transformer is grabbing them. They see that he's grabbing all these hostage, hostages, right? Yeah. And putting them in some kind of pin that he's got. And then they, <laughs> Kyle Reese and Marcus and Star. They just are committed to blowing the entire thing up, even though they know it's carrying like a basket full of yeah. hostages. Yeah. They're like, well, we got away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, that's you, war. Yeah. That's <laughs> and these humans not thinking things through, I mean, they've spent the whole movie uh, being tricked by this signal that deactivates Skynet things that turns out to be a trick. It leads Skynet right to the headquarters. But that doesn't change the fact that it worked. It actually worked on the robots. Yeah, why aren't they trying that when he's walking around in a factory full of robots? Yeah. Why don't they just <laughs> go to the on. core of Skynet and rig that thing up? Put it on his little boombox. Right. <laughs> He'd rather play Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I thought it was clever for them to work on this frequency that shuts down machines, but I thought to myself, isn't this just Mars Attacks? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that why spend so much it's time? It's beautiful. 
<laughs> Why spend so much time on it? So is Dan Terry Crews Common's brother? Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah, because he says this is my brother, and then he shoots the robot, and then nothing. That's yeah. the only. Like, You're just assuming that it was his brother because he was black. Yeah. Well, they both had their head shaved. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, poor Terry Crews. And he's the only you know face we saw of the dead soldiers. That's true. Maybe, but that seems weak. Maybe there's more to explain that that we didn't get to see. Did we need all that heart foreshadowing for them to have that open heart surgery in the in the, in the desert? It's like, remember how we kept talking about your heart and you got a strong heart. I can see that heart beating a mile a minute. How you He's got an actual heart. And how you the, kept mentioning second chances. That's the only reason he thought of it. When you're like, John Connor's heart is weak. He's like, You'll, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> you might not have heard. <laughs> I was originally created to be an do- uh, organ donor. Yeah. Here's your lucky day, man. <laughs> Worked out pretty great. But is that heart any good? Because it's already stopped and then it got juiced up. Yeah, you got punched in the heart by T-800. It's Maybe that's how he, dog. That's a refurbished <laughs> heart. <laughs> Maybe that's how he killed the T-800. Is he got jolted. He was like supercharged for a second. Yeah. But then ending it with that whole weird impulsive decision. Yeah, he can have my heart. I'll just lay down right next to you here under this tent in the middle of the yeah. desert. We're in Why the desert. You, <laughs> as good as place as any. <laughs> Why don't you just go ahead and perform open heart transplant right here now? Yeah. It's war, man. They have very few choices. It, it all ended for him, his second life, the way it all ended for him in his first life. Yeah, yeah With a series of injections. Poetic. They even did the same little throwback, visual throwback of the... What a great movie. <laughs> this is all we've got before Terminator Genesis. There's nothing left. It comes out at the time of this recording. Terminator Genesis comes out tomorrow. By the time you're listening to it, our faithful listeners will have seen it. Right. And then an episode will be coming to unpack all all four movies leading up to and going into Terminator Genesis. Yeah, so I like Salvation better than Terminator 3. And I still thought it was a good movie. Just when you hold it up to the, the great movies in the franchise, it is weak. Yeah, it was... But, it was. It's worth watching and having around. Mm-hmm. I would, I would keep it and kill Terminator Three easily. Yeah. And I'm excited for Genesis. Yeah. Hopes are high. Until then, remember there is no fate but what you do. <laughs> we'll be back. Can't, can't <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to You Hate Movies. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or the RSS feed at youhatemovies.com. Stay tuned for the conclusion to Road to Terminator Genesis and follow us on Twitter at youhatemovies. <laughs>